Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD+. Check out Qualia NAD+, risk-free, for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. Today's cool fact of the day is that man-made insulin cells could one day actually treat diabetes, which would be kind of cool given that, oh, 400 million people check their blood sugar and, and inject insulin several times a day. They've just developed some artificial cells that mimic how your natural beta cells sense blood sugar concentration and secrete the right amount of insulin. And for now, only diabetic mice get those synthetic cells, but the researchers believe the therapies of the future will look like this. Frankly, I would rather, though, see the therapies of the future look at turning on your own insulin sensitivity and just turning on your own beta cells and making them grow back. Uh, I'm a big fan of you don't need to upgrade your hardware until you've taken full advantage of the hardware you've got now, but I'm not opposed to upgrading my hardware. You know, give me an adamantium skeleton and some claws like that. I mean, who wouldn't want that? (laughs) (laughs) Now, Uh, That voice is none other than Dawson Church, who is sitting across from me rather than at the end of a Skype connection, because we're here together at the Transformational Leadership Council in Hawaii, which is a group that Jack Canfield started in order to get leaders and personal development together so we could inform a community, make friends, and talk about stuff that's cool. And I had a bunch of people I wanted to talk to, but Dawson was at the top of the list uh, because I know him and because he wrote a really cool book called The Genie in Your Genes that revolutionized our understanding of how your emotions affect your genetic expression. For years, we believed that it was your genes sort of described what was going to happen. And it turns out that the genes are really blueprints and what turns on a gene is what really matters. And the environment is a huge thing that turns your genes on and off. You've seen that in Headstrong in the Bulletproof Diet. But there's also a big element of mindset, like what you think, what you feel, because there is a connection there. And Dawson and I are going to explore that in this interview. And uh, Dawson also is going to talk about his brand new book called Mind to Matter that's available for pre-order at the time we're publishing this episode. And I've already read the first three chapters of the book. And I'm as equally excited about Mind to Matter as I am about Genie in Your Genes. So if you really want to know how much control you have over your own biology, uh, this is groundbreaking stuff from a fascinating human. Uh, Dawson, welcome to the show. Dave, good to be here. And I know we'll have a fantastic time chatting together. One of the things that you've written about a lot, Dawson, is something called the emotional freedom technique, also known as tapping. And we've seen professional baseball players do it. I've seen CEOs do it. Uh, I've seen uh, lots of people 
uh, really get some benefits from something that looks honestly a little bit crazy. So if you're listening to this, you've never heard of tapping. It's the idea that you can tap at a certain frequency at certain parts on certain parts of your body and that your body will somehow shift as a result of that. Sounds super crazy, except there's some science on this. Uh-huh. Dawson, tell me, what is like like what is tapping and why does this have any effect? Like, What would you use it for? Yeah, there's tons of science. There are over 100 studies, outcome studies, randomized controlled trials, uh, reviews in peer-reviewed journals, uh, meta-analyses, all kinds of research on EFT. And it works not just well, it works super well for most kinds of stress-related issues. And even in physiological problems like pain, fibromyalgia, psoriasis, and other kinds of physical things, there's a big element of stress. And so there's a lot of evidence showing that it works and how it works, why, why it works, is it simply is tapping is acupressure. And just like you go to an acupuncturist clinic and you get needles put in these, these points, there are 300 plus of them all over the body. There are 14 meridians in which the energy moves. And when you get an acupuncture treatment, research shows that, for example, MRI research shows that people get much calmer. And the whole limbic system, the whole middle part of the brain, what you call the uh, Doberman brain, the, what, what do you, in, in your book, in, in uh, oh, the, the, the Labrador brain, the Labrador, Labrador brain, brain yeah. in your book. So the Labrador I thought you brain, said dopamine from like no, no, no. there is. A- <laughs> <laughs> Which dog was it? Dave, Dave used <laughs> the Labrador, it's a Labrador brain. brain, right? That brain just basically curls up by the fire with a big happy grin on his face and goes to sleep. Yes. When you get acupuncture, so what what EFT does is rather needles uses tapping or pressure on those okay. same points, and people just get way, way, way calmer. And the some of the really moving. Examples of this is we've done EFT with with Rwandan refugees and people who who survived the the genocide in Rwanda, terribly traumatized people, and they get better. We've done it with Vietnam veterans, even World War II veterans, Korean War veterans, and their levels of PTSD go from the high clinical measurable level down to just normal level levels. They're no longer having flashbacks, nightmares, hyperreactivity to ordinary events. All of those symptoms just go away. When, when they tap. And what, what, what it looks like in a, to an MRI, in an MRI or, or an EEG is that when you remember the bad stuff in your life, when you think about the car crash or the combat memory or the bad childhood bullying, whatever it might be, that memory now is triggering your brain's limbic system. But when you then tap or get acupuncture, anything you do to stimulate the body and you, when you pair that traumatic cue with a soothing cue like acupressure, then that tells the limbic system that that memory is not a threat to your survival in the here and now. And once you break the association between having the bad memory and going into fight or flight, once you break the association one time, it tends to stay broken. So we'll work with a, with a Vietnam veteran, for example. There's one guy, guy who, who had a, there was a mortar attack. Um, I think it was his second day in Vietnam. And at 4 a.m. in the morning, there was a, a, a mortar attack. And so he, he had a head under his, under his bed, under his mattress in, 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 wow. in, in, at his deployment station. And so now, 40 years since Vietnam, he's still waking up at 4 a.m in the morning he's having flashbacks and nightmares we tapped with him one time on that memory and he he said i got my first full night's sleep since vietnam and it never came back and so the brain's smart it realizes once you break that association one time it stays broken forever so it's a very very simple technique it's been around for thousands of years we know five thousand years for sure it's been used for, for healing in various cultures and um it's just a simple way of soothing yourself so you can not have those memories be sidetracking, derailing what you're doing in your life right now. 
some of the the science in Headstrong, I talked about all the environmental things that affect mitochondrial function, the ability of your cells to make money. And mitochondria are, or to make money, to make energy. <laughs> uh, mitochondria are incredibly sensitive to vibration because they're ancient bacteria. And the evidence we have for this is that when we're culturing cells in a dish, the vibration or lack thereof, depending on what you're culturing, can determine whether or not cells actually grow, whether they're human cells, whether they're stem cells, or whether they're bacteria. This, this is a, an important thing that matters. So how your body vibrates, how you move, has a physiological and therefore even a cognitive or a mental effect. And so you're introducing vibration, but what does vibration actually do on these tapping points? Well, um, in the new book, Mind to Matter, I came across a lot of obscure research, many of it, much of it done in Japan, China, Russia, the Ukraine, and so on, of these, and these were electrical engineers. They weren't biologists for the most part. And they were simply passing various frequencies through cell cultures. And they were saying, gee, isn't it cool when I put the, the frequency of, uh, when I try a range of frequencies, look, nine hertz is doubling the, res the amount of DNA repair going on. These are electrical frequencies? These are electrical frequencies okay, right. going, going through these, uh, these, these cell cultures. And they, they definitely are having a large effect on, at the right frequency on our cells. But the tapping, rhythmic tapping, usually at your own pace and your own pressure. So you, it, there's no prescribed way of tapping. You just tap however it feels good for you. Um, people just, just calm down. And what happens is that it produces a kind of electricity called piezoelectricity, the same kind of electricity produced by, say, um, a gas grill. When you turn a gas grill to the, into the light position, it goes click. And that's a, the, the pressure of a metal element on a ceramic plate. That pressure produces electricity, a spark, and eventually ignites the gas. Same thing when you tap, 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 tap on these points. It sends a wave through the connective tissue of your body to the part of your body that's, that's disturbed or that's experiencing uh, uh, any kind of energy blockage the way you would in, in acupuncture. And when you, when you tap that way and you're feeling remembering the bad stuff, then you feel better, all kinds of chemical changes happen in your body. We're now doing things like looking at resting heart rate, um, immunoglobulin A, cortisol, uh, other stress hormones, blood pressure, all these physiological measures, and they change a lot. In a study I've been doing recently with people at a one-week EFT retreat, their, rest, their baseline resting cortisol is dropping by over 40% in one week. Their baseline of cortisol, just their average cortisol level. From tapping. From tapping is in one week is dropping over 40%. So big shifts, big resets going on in the, in the body's physiology when you tap. Walk me through how to do tapping. Like pretend like I've never done it before and give me the instructions and, and I'll do it right now. Have you ever done it before? I've done tapping before. Okay. It uses, in the simplest form, it uses seven acupuncture points. And so we have people tap these in sequence while they remember a bad thing. So there are three pieces to it. One is to remember a thing that's bothered you. So you think about a car crash, about a dog bite, about uh, a terrible experience in school, being punished by a parent, by a, by a bully. Um, you may think about an adult, adult tragedy, a childhood tragedy. You think about that thing. Now, when you think about that bad thing, you start to get uncomfortable. And you feel subjectively uncomfortable. But if we translate that discomfort into a biological feeling, what's happening is that your serotonin dopamine levels are getting dysregulated in your brain. Your cortisol is rising quite a bit. Your adrenaline is rising. 
all kinds of enzymes are shifting in your body. And so we have you remember that bad thing. Now, it feels bad to do that. And people don't want to go, don't feel bad, don't want to think about the bad stuff. But you, you think about the bad stuff. And while you're thinking about that, you also frame it in the context of self-acceptance. Even though I had that terrible car crash, I accept myself and my life the way it is. And that's a huge difference with EFT. It's not about positive thinking, not about placebo. It's not about trying to make you you feel better. It's really letting you inhabit the space of all the grief and the loss you've never processed emotionally in your life before. So you think about those things, but in that frame of self-acceptance. And while you do that, you tap on these seven points. The first point is on the side of your hand between the your wrist and the joint that anchors your little finger. You just tap there with three or four fingers, and while you tap there, you just say very simply, even though this thing bothered me, I accept myself, I accept my life. So you frame that bad thing with acceptance while tapping on the side of your hand. Then, once you've done that a few times, usually two or three times you've done that, you, you may feel a little bit different after that. To initiate the process while we're talking about the bad thing, we have you score it numerically from zero to 10. So think about the car crash. How upset are you right now thinking about that zero to 10? So you get, you get your number. And so Dave, just think about something disturbing in the last right. couple of weeks. Sure. That, okay. And don't tell me what it was, but give it a, a one word name. If it was a movie, what would the title be? <laughs> well, that could be a long one. I'm just trying to think of, of what it would be. You get three words. Uh, all right. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, here we go. Less than zero. That's that an old movie. Less than zero. Okay. <laughs> so tap over here on the side of your hand point and say out loud, even though I remember the less than zero movie. Even though I remember the less than zero movie. And do really remember it right now. Just really focus. Okay. I completely accept myself. I completely accept myself. That was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. I'm okay now. I'm okay now. I'm safe now. I'm safe now. And that less than zero. And that less than zero. Movie happened. Movie happened. Okay. So again, keep focused on the movie. And then tap right where your eyebrow meets the bridge of your nose with two fingers lightly. Less than zero. Less than zero. Again, vividly remember the less than zero movie. Side of your eye, less than zero. Right. Under your pupil of your eye, less than zero. And say it out loud. Less than zero. And really remember it. Okay. Vividly. Okay. Under your nose, less than zero. Under your lower lip, less than zero. Tap where your collarbone meets your breastbone. Make sure you're breathing. I, I can't really tell from here yeah, if you are. I'm just kind of sitting funny. I'm breathing. Okay, good. Yeah. So recall that vividly. Say it out loud again. Okay, less than zero. Tap about four inches below your armpit. Less than zero. Less than zero. Same side, different side, doesn't matter. Either side. Okay. Doesn't matter. Back on this point over here, less than zero. Less than zero. Okay, now score it again. What was your first number? What's your number now? Thinking about that old movie. Like seven to four. Or seven to like four, that. okay. Yeah. So let's take that that four now. And let's say, I'm say out loud, I'm still a four. I'm still a four. On less than zero. On less than zero. 
And I might never get below a four. And I might never get below a four. I might go back to a seven. I might go back to a seven. Might go to 10. Might go to 10. Might go to a zero. Might go to zero. Or less than zero. <laughs> <laughs> or less than zero, there we go. It might go up, it might go down. <laughs> it might go up, it might go down. Either way, I accept myself. Either way, I accept myself. I might get worse. I might get worse. I might get better. I might get better. Either way, I'm okay. Either way, I'm okay. I'm acceptable. I'm acceptable. Either way, I'm acceptable. Either way, I'm acceptable. I might heal. I might heal. I might not heal. I might not heal. I might get better. I might get better. I might get worse. I might get worse. And I will love myself. And I will love myself. Regardless of whether I get better or worse. Regardless of whether I get better or worse. That's a little time out here. That, that's a critical thing to do because so often we delay loving ourselves after we've made the extra $10,000 or asked oh, yeah. for the raise or found the girlfriend or moved to the perfect place to live or got the perfect job or whatever, you know, we're always saying, when I lose 25 pounds, then I'll be acceptable. Right. Then you know, my life will be fine. So it's like the, the, the carrot and the stick. The carrot's always just, just out of our grasp. Mm -hmm. And EFT is all about saying, you know, my life is imperfect. Things have happened that didn't work out well for me, and I love and accept myself nonetheless. And so for pain patients, it's powerful. For fibromyalgia patients, it's powerful. People with autoimmune diseases, people facing any kind of uh, physical challenge, it is so valuable to say, rather than once this pain goes away, I'll be in much better shape. Right. Just love yourself, accept yourself the way you are, and tap while you say that, and that then breaks all the psychological tension in your mind between you having to be different and better before you're acceptable and lovable. So you right. tap, you tap okay. there. Yeah, so why, why we do it that way? So tap over here again and say less than zero. Less than zero. Side of your eye again, less than zero. Less than zero. And your pupil again, less than zero. Less than zero. And your nose, less than zero. Less than zero. And your lower lip, less than zero. Less than zero. Your collarbone meets your breastbone, less than zero. Less than zero. And your arm, less than zero. Less than zero. Side of your hand again, less than zero. Less than zero. Again, vividly remember that little movie, less than zero. And now take a deep breath, stop tapping, and give yourself a new score when you remember it again. Yeah, there's definitely less reactivity to it. It wasn't super high in the first place, but yeah, there, there's a, a relaxed element to it that wasn't there before. Yeah, yeah. And that changes, changes for, again, that Vietnam veteran who suffered the mortar attack, suffered it, it, the people who are really in a terrible condition. There's just been a huge uh, viral video that's been seen by 20 plus million people of uh, kids inspired by the Newtown, Connecticut school shootings five years ago. And a lot of those kids have learned tapping, their parents have learned tapping, and it is so shifted the trauma of the communities where it's, it's been used. So it's a powerful tool. There's so much that that old trauma does to us and it's all invisible like you you might feel something and you'll tell yourself sorry i feel that because something happened but the feeling is very old and most people who are exposed to that same situation wouldn't have that same reaction to it and you know, i've gone through and and kind of relentlessly looked for things that i know i'm reacting to and i do with neurofeedback the the whole 40 years of zen program and heart rate variability training and uh, and i've used tapping a, a few times um, I think it for me it works better when I have when I'm doing it like with someone who's guiding it versus if I'm sort of doing the self tapping, but it it is a a meaningful thing and and what you're doing here, uh, from at least my my perspective on this and I want to check in with you about whether it's accurate, is that there's all sorts of of programming and reactivity in the body itself 
not even in the mind necessarily, uh, and that what's happening in the body rolls up into the mind, and that when you interrupt that uh, via tapping and you pair that tapping thing, saying, but so, something's going on here that clearly isn't a threat, it's more of a distraction than a threat, uh, that suddenly that the pairing, as you described, it, it doesn't pair anymore, right. so the reactivity goes down. Um, is this something that you recommend people do themselves? Is it something that you should learn from a, a, a practitioner or, or a friend or, or something like that? Like, how, how would someone put this into action? The easy things you can do yourself. So if you're dealing with patterns that you can change fairly easily without a coach, then uh, there's a whole range of things you can use it for yourself. It's also a very portable method. You don't have to be in a therapist's office or a coach's office mm -hmm. or part of a group call or part of a group program. You just tap whenever you want to. But if you're facing, like for example, we have a weight loss program and people who, uh, the average woman does 18 weight loss programs in her life. She loses her body weight and regains it 9.1 times over her lifetime. I must be a woman. She spends <laughs> an average of $220,000 over a lifetime on various nostrums and weight loss products wow. and so on. And then, so she signs up for our weight loss program. So we know that people who do that, you know, they have, they are per, a persistent issue. And we don't think that just a little bit of self-tapping is going to do it for them. We, they, they need a really serious uh, guided coach, coach approach. Sure. And um, what we found is that people who, who, who do weight loss with EFT, they lose a little bit of weight. But what happens in the year after they learn EFT is there, we, we track them now long term, and we found that in various trials, their weight drops between 11 and 22 pounds in the year after they finish their EFT program. So unlike the usual pattern, which is regaining all your weight after you do a program. It happened to me so much when I weighed 300 pounds. My God, you lose 50, gain 60, like it, every time. Right. It is so disheartening. Yeah, and no one can see the 60 you've lost. You know, all the right. 50 you've lost, they all, all they see is what you what you have. So, and there's there's kind of two things going on with weight loss. There's clearly emotional eating, and then there's you know eating for entertainment and things like that. And then there's where you know, your biology at a lower level, right? You, know, you have insulin sensitivity issues. You know, you're not sleeping, and and there's stuff going on like that. Uh, how would someone listening to this sort of know? All right, am I dealing with a biological issue or an emotional issue? It's really important not to emotionalize biological issues. It's also important not to biologize emotional issues. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so treat the emotional issues emotionally and the biological ones as, as well. And one of the, the cautions we, we found with people who learn EFT, so, so uh, research shows that when people do start doing EFT, their levels of anxiety, depression, all kinds of psychological issues just plummet really quickly. People doing, say, say a one-day class, the average reduction in anxiety and depression is 45%. And that often leads them to the erroneous conclusion that everything's emotional. And everything's not emotional. There's, there, there may be um, things in your environment that are toxic or to which you have sensitive. Yeah, and if so, you have a lot of mercury in your system, yeah, it's right. going to be really tough to tap that out. Right? I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that said, though, I've worked with people where they do emotional release work and then they're able to chelate their mercury very effectively. Like the tissues are holding on to things. It will not respond to chemicals that cause mercury to go out. They do something tapping, holotropic breathing, personal development work, whatever it is. And suddenly they're able to detox way more effectively. 
What's going on with that? They're able to usually um, make use of all the information they have as well, much more effectively. Mm -hmm. So all the stuff they learned about diet, nutrition, and so on, they'll they'll be able to do it if they no longer have emotional reactivity around... The self-sabotage stuff. Self-sabotage, yeah, isn't there anymore. So there's that there. Also, usually... um, Acupuncture, you don't need needles in all 300 plus points in your body. Uh, good acupuncturists will find the five points, the two points, the seven points that are like breaking the log jam in the huge number of logs in the log jam, but pull out two or three key logs and you find found the linchpin, then the whole dam starts to disintegrate. Same thing with, with our bodies. Once you, they're in this kind of, they're, they're stuck in this, this low level of homeostasis where they're just barely functioning. But then you give them the little bit of input that helps them get a little bit better and suddenly the whole log jam often uh, breaks apart. So people, for example, who, who are doing our weight loss program, they often say, my relationship with my husband improved dramatically. My skin cleared up. I have way more energy. Well, all these other other good things are happening in their bodies. Once you you once you deal with the emotional stuff, then and also once that's down to a low level, once your emotional reactivity isn't there, then you can use other means for what still remains, whatever it might be. Like like pain is a good example. The the average reduction in pain in, in EFT studies is about two thirds. So you sit down, start tapping. Whether it's you know a sprained ankle, whether it's cancer treatment, whether it's a fracture, people's average level of pain drops by about two thirds in just a few minutes of tapping. But then the remaining one third is an actual medical something they need to pay attention to. So you need the best of both worlds. But the 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 corollary also applies that you don't want to go if you have pain and go see a doctor and then pretend that all the pain is physical and then try and medicate that two-thirds, that's often emotional. So you need the best of both worlds and you get you know, proper care for the part that's physical and then take care of the emotional part emotionally. And that's, I think, a lot of the challenge we all deal with there is sorting out which is emotional, which is physical because of that inconvenient thing that, that's in both of your books that sometimes the physical comes from emotional and sometimes emotional comes from physical. So sorting that out can be challenging, but given that EFT is essentially free, <laughs> uh, you can do it yourself. Uh, it's it's definitely an easy way to say, well, maybe I can turn down the portion of whatever's holding me back that's emotional and then deal with what's going on. Because I, I don't think you can do the EFT donut diet uh, and, and, and lose weight. You know, Likewise, though, if you're dealing with a lot of trauma and emotional stuff, even if you manage to, for a brief period, adhere to any diet, whether it's keto or you know, zone, whatever, it doesn't really matter. Um, it's probably not going to work either if the emotional stuff's in the way. And I have found that when people address the physical, so, you know, you, you set the bone that's broken, you eat food that gives you enough energy that's stable, that it's much easier to do emotional level work just because right. you have more stable energy or because the bone is knitting instead of grinding or whatever, whatever the, the problem is. Um, that suddenly it's like you have more energy to put into the change that comes from EFT. I've talked with a bunch of people who've used EFT and sometimes they, they get profoundly tired after they do a session, like, like way more than logic would dictate. What's happening there? Often people are resetting after a session and um, they may go through a profound shift in a session and it takes a while for the body to um, restore its equilibrium. Like for example, one of the things you have to train people in who are getting uh, becoming certified in EFT is that it can be very disorienting to suddenly have some big plank of your personality 
just collapse. Maybe, you know, for example, you've had this, um, this belief about the world that's been dysfunctional and you've had it for 70 years mm-hmm. and uh, it just collapses in the course of a session. You're just really disoriented. So we train our therapists and coaches to watch for those signs in people that they're disoriented, that they're tired, and then there are ways of having them, them integrate and reset. But like any big change, if you know, if you get acupuncture, if you have any kind of you know, major healing event, to get, get a good, good massage, you might want to just lay down and take a nap afterwards. It may take a while to integrate that into your body. Also, if you look at the energy body, what's happening at the level of the EEG, and I, I've just become a huge fan over the last few years just studying EEGs That's and seeing the, the shifts that people happen. Because you know, when, when somebody tells me they feel better, I love hearing that, but that's a subjective report. When I look at their brain waves and I see the ratio of uh, beta, which is our, basically our, our anxiety brain wave, mm-hmm. changing relative to delta or theta, that's an objective measure. When I see their cortisol level dropping, their immunoglobulin level rising, then those are all objective biological changes. And so when you f- say you feel good, what's happening is all that biology is changing in your body. But it's fascinating to look at the biology and then that, that's a numerical measure you can make to see how much people are changing. So, uh, yeah, when people have big shifts, they often do feel really, um, they're different. They they may have just shifted some huge part of who they are. And when you do that, that's disorienting, maybe exhausting, and may take a while to integrate that back into the new you. Usually the new you that emerges, though, will be much stronger, much healthier, much wiser, much less stressed than the old you that was holding it all together before that point. What are the times where EFT just doesn't work? There are things which is, it has limited effectiveness. Tinnitus, you know, for example, uh, I've talked to many people with tinnitus and very few report any great... With ringing ears. Yeah. Ringing in your ears. It's basically neurological damage from listening to loud sounds. And when problems are purely physical like that, uh, often I think EFT is of limited limited value. So um, if it's a purely physical issue, then EFT tends to be less effective. Although... I've had so many cases, whenever I do workshops, I, I ask people, I say, if any of you here in the audience, if you have a purely physical issue that's not psychological at all, let's just work it and see. So people will come up with, up with pain. One, one woman was in her um, late 70s, and she said, I had a rotator cuff surgery three years ago, and uh, my biceps they shorten the tendon too much. My biceps hurt ever since the day of the operation. So again, it's a purely physical issue. It has a, a start date that she can tag to the operation. And so, you know, I, I'm thinking in my, my mind, I'm thinking, well, I don't think EFT will work for this. And I love to do at least one demonstration where I'm pretty convinced EFT won't work. Just so I can, so I can show people it's not, not a panacea. Well, um, I mean, I had to talk to this this lady about her, her life, her, her shoulder, while we tapped. And I said, you know, why don't you give that biceps pain in your shoulder, give it a name. She said, Fred. Hmm. I thought, okay, that sounds a little bit emotional. And did you have a friend in your life? She said, yeah, my ex-husband. His name was Fred. So he tapped on her ex-husband. And her biceps pain, which had been there ever since the operation several years before, went from a seven to a zero. Wow. So... Um, I'm I'm amazed that even in cases where I personally don't think EFT will work, maybe I'm working with somebody else who also doesn't think EFT will work, it often does work and there's more stress than you would think think of. And our, our bodies often with these pains and symptoms are they're like little kids waving their hands and saying, Hey, 
I need some help here. I have an owie. I need a bandit. I need a hug. I need some, some love here. And so we want those pains to go away. We try and medicate them away. But we train people to take them, to, to perceive them as signals from their body and say, what is my body trying to share with me here? How can I hear what my body's trying to tell me with this pain, with the symptom? Love it. Accept it. Again, I, accept, I love and accept myself with this pain, not trying to make the kid shut up. You know, and then often those things do go away. It makes sense on one level. The, the more I learned about mitochondrial biology and the fact that these ancient bacteria in your cells, they still have a bacteria's level of awareness. They're not, they're not us. They're, they're part of our system, but they form little networks. So there's a part of your knee that knows where your knee is in space. And, and we tie it into our nervous system through something called proprioception and all of that, but there is a consciousness in the knee, which is stupid. Like it is not a consciousness like you or I, but it's, it's actually localized in the body. And it works with all the tendons and all the other essentially organ level, very low level consciousness things. And if one of them has identified there's, there's a threat or there's a pain and it's not healing when you've done the appropriate things, well, okay, maybe there really still is some damage, like, like it, it might not be healing because of a physical thing. But if it's not, it's because that part of the body can be convinced that it's safer not to heal. And this has nothing to do with our brain whatsoever. It, it's a localized phenomena, but then you, you heal it, whether it's through tapping or running an electrical current or whatever, and, and people start crying, and they have all sorts of weird emotions that come out and things like that, that just in my path, I've seen too many emotions hiding, localized in places in the body that when, when you let them go, for no reason whatsoever, uh, you start crying, you feel huge amounts of fear and things like this, but then the healing can happen. And yes. it feels like you're tapping into that. Yeah, we did a, a, a clinical trial. It was a randomized controlled trial published in an American Psychological Association journal. And we randomized people into three groups. One of them got EFT. One of them um, got nothing. One of them got diaphragmatic breathing. And we were measuring frozen shoulder and range of motion. So it was clinically verified for frozen shoulder. And we were measuring the range of motion in several different dimensions. And we found with the EFT group that they their range of motion improved a lot with, with, with tapping more so than the other two groups. And their psychological well-being improved dramatically as well. Their pain levels dropped a lot more as well. But um, we found that there is almost always some way in which the pain they experienced with the frozen shoulder thought it was helping them. It was helping them avoid injury or more pain. So we actually had to tap on the, uh, the protective function of pain. The, your body is stopping you from moving in this dimension fully because it thinks if you move too far, you'll injure yourself. Yes. And so there's almost always some, again, that, that's, you're right, it's not, not, it's not cognitive wisdom. It's not smart wisdom, but it's the body trying, doing the best it can. And it doesn't appear to be resident in the brain even. No. Um, and one of the things uh, that, that I do, I have this unusual piece of electrical stimulation gear, and you can put more load on, on a joint or on a muscle than it believes it's capable of doing. And, and, it, and you, you make yourself move under that load, and you feel like you're going to die. And as soon as you finish the motion, it doesn't hurt at all. Like, oh, I, I guess I was wrong. And, and you're basically just showing that part of the body without incorporating the brain. It's a local thing that it can do that without dying. And so your pain threshold goes up and up and up. And I... I actually did this on a Army Special Forces guy who'd had a shoulder problem for nine months. So we're just kind of playing around. I said, all right, well, we, we can do this for you. And, and finally, he he's gets to the level where he actually, he actually screams as he's doing this. 
And when he's done, he's just covered in sweat. And he goes, but I, I can move my shoulder again. I've got my motion back. And then he looked at me and he said, I've been waterboarded before. And, and it didn't make me scream. Like, I've been tortured. He said, nothing has ever made me scream, but that damn machine. But <laughs> what, what it was doing, his body was protecting his shoulder wow. against wow. death. It was what his shoulder thought. And I mean, this is yeah. one of the toughest guys out there, right? And, and so we can have this. And if you... If you don't recognize that there's an independent thing going on in the body, it's hard to accept that any of this stuff might be possible. But it is possible, and it works, and you've got 100 studies out here. It, it is possible. And Dave, one of the things that just drives me is hearing people's stories of limitation in their bodies, in their movement, in their pain, in their emotional bodies, what they think they, they deserve in relationships, in love, uh, love with their bodies, love for life. Uh, passion in life, all of these things, we live in a tiny range of possibilities. And what this new book, Mind to Matter, has convinced me of is that for most of us, it's a set of conditioned responses that are just not true. Yeah. We are capable of far more emotionally, mentally, physically. We are, I mean, we can think, we can create, we can be. My wife is an art teacher and uh, teaches kids like six, seven, eight years old to do art. And it's just amazing to watch the kids flood into her classroom. They'll grab the watercolors or clay or whatever she's teaching. They'll just make this amazing art. They'll, they'll fling themselves into it. They'll just do art. And you just can't stop them. We went to, a, to an, uh, an adult class a few, a few uh, about three years ago on uh, drawing the mandala. We signed up for this class to draw the mandala. We walked into the class, listened to the, the lecture, great lecture on how to do the mandala, got all the materials together. It was, but the, all people in their 50s, 60s, our age, and it was time finally after the instructional part to start doing your mandala. And we listened to people around the table, and they would say things like, I don't think I can do this because I just can't draw the way the teacher did. I don't have any ideas. You know, we only have three hours. I can never finish this, this in three hours. And so we listened, my wife and I listened to all of the self-talk that people had, the self-criticism and the way they made themselves wrong and small. And it just hurt our hearts to hear this. I mean, we didn't have that in our own experience. We just threw ourselves into it like the six-year-olds. Right. But, but I thought, what happened to you poor people between the age of six and 60 to convince you that you're the small, shriveled subset of the potential you were born with. You, when, you, when you were a kid, you didn't have all those filters and all that self-talk. And so a large part of the new book is just telling people, hey, question all of your beliefs. Tap on those things. You're going to find that that limited range of motion you thought you had, maybe it's just not there. Uh, that, that pain you thought you had, that ability to receive love. People give tiny amounts of love and especially receive only t small increments of the love they, 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 they really could receive. Fling yourself into love. Fling yourself in, into life as a passionate creator every day. You'll make some mistakes. Everything won't go well. But you can have an absolutely grand time with it. And I see people living their whole lives in this kind of little tiny prison in, in, the, in the basement of their palace of possibilities. And I'm, I'm just so, I'm, I'm less and less patient as I get older and older <laughs> with, with seeing people just be that way and then you know die at 70 or 80 or 90 with half of their potential or maybe yeah. most of it unexpressed. So it, It's wasteful. It's yeah. wasteful, yeah, yeah. We, we, have, we, we are grand beings meant to have grand lives. And uh, so much of our tapping, meditation, all the things, all these transformational tools help us challenge our notions of limitation to claim that inner six-year-old, that, that just exuberant being that we came here to be. So That all rings true to me. And, and watching, you know, 
everyone at every level still has another level. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. I, I've had the, the honor of working with phenomenally successful people sometimes, and always there, there's whole levels. Where, right. Oh, I, I didn't know I could do that. Right. And, all. and, and it, it's really, it feels good to watch people tap into that. That's one of the reasons I, I've done coaching and, and things like that. Both I have coaches and I work, at least I, I have worked as a coach. I'm not doing much coaching right now because being a CEO is enough of that. But uh, when when people are looking to access, to tap into all those, those un, untapped potentials, we can say, EFT is clearly a tool to do that. What are some of the other tools that come to mind for you as being really powerful? I uh, do a lot of keynote speeches every year. And so for a recent one that I'm doing around the new book, I... I made a list of them. The, the basic one I recommend, even, even more than tapping, is meditation. I think that meditation gives you a baseline of sane function in your life and also um, attunement with universal cycles. I also go global at the end of the new book where I'm looking at things like um, there are these huge geomagnetic fields around the earth. Yep. And what happens, and I won't go into detail about this because it's like, you know, Four, four hours worth of science here, but there are these huge global cycles which, which we can measure in the yeah. Earth's uh, frequency ranges and, and the harmonics of certain ranges that the Earth produces naturally. Um, we have those same frequencies in ourselves, and people, I, I have a graph in the book showing somebody, an experienced meditator, and their heart coherence for 30 days, and, and having that graph for, for a month. Then I've got this, these global, the called field line resonances, these huge geomagnetic spectrum frequencies measured by geologists, and I've got the two overlaid, and that large frequency of the Earth's field is, and that individual heart coherence frequency look as though they're in exactly the same pattern for a whole 30 days, so we're wow. coherent. And when you get coherent, when you meditate, when you breathe, when you tune in, when you attune these universal cycles, and, and, and especially in the morning, um, you, then, you then have this baseline of functioning that's not fearful, that's, that's wise, that's connected, and that is then in tune with these cosmic cycles. So you begin your day that way. So meditation is, is the foundation, I believe, of a, of a successful life. Then stuff happens. You get to the office, you get a terrible email, uh, there's a bad, there's a car crash, there's all just random stuff happens, and that's going to make you feel bad. So you then tap to release those uh, transient stresses. So then you get in the habit of feeling feeling much better. You have the stress release mechanism. Now suddenly, your the whole level at which you are in homeostasis up levels dramatically because you're setting this good baseline of meditation every morning. When these transient stresses knock you off your game during the day, you're returning back to that good baseline very, very quickly. Now your body gets used to a much healthier ratio of serotonin and dopamine. Your cortisol is enough to make you function well, not too high to corrode your cells and organs, your hippocampus. Uh, your adrenaline levels are appropriate. All of these biological changes happen, and you get really used to feeling really good. So feeling good becomes your, your new baseline. Uh, so those are the two fundamental ones, is meditation and tapping. Do those two and everything starts to shift. What you can then do is do, do more. Uh, exercise is, you've you, you got to move. You just absolutely have to move. Yep. Not just going to the gym, but just move throughout the day. 
time in nature, when you ground, when you stand barefoot on the earth, the earth is full of electrons. Those electrons flood up through your body and neutralize free radicals. So powerful to you know walk walk on wet grass, just yeah. take take a shower, be 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 in, be in nature, immerse yourself in beauty. Take breaks. Take a break. If you look at the the ancient acupuncture clock, it shows that um, it divides the twenty four hour day into two hour segments. And it turns out that our ultradian rhythms are within our circadian rhythms daily. There are two hour ultradian rhythms. Taking a break every two hours is crucial to peak function. So. Um, Taking regular breaks is, is is important. How long of a break for every two hours do you recommend? For me, five, ten minutes is is enough. Just enough to break your focus, uh, regulate your, your physiology, and then return to the task. So not, not a long break, uh, but you'll do better. And then I take one, like, hour and a half break during the middle of the day as well. And we find that people are much more focused for the afternoon after they do that. So time in nature, community, hugs, touches, being with people, you know, if, if you're with somebody you, you love, touch them. Touch, watch primates. Monkeys are touching themselves all the time. I watched, watched some finches in the, in the tree yesterday, and they were just you know, pecking each other and rubbing each other. And I mean, they're sitting next to each other, and they're, they're touching. Old animals touch constantly. Uh, watch uh, parents in um, Aboriginal cultures that are holding and touch, touching their babies all the time. So touch is is really important. So time in nature, touch, a spiritual practice, a sense of, uh, of social connection with other people. Spend time with other people. Uh, even people maybe you, you don't have that, that, that close connection with. Uh, expose yourself to new, new, new ideas. Challenge your mind. Go find the political party that you are most opposed to and go read their propaganda <laughs> and see if you can see things from, the, from their, their standpoint. Uh, stretch your mind. Do things that challenge you. Take up hobbies that challenge you. I try and learn something new every few years. I know right, right now I'm, I'm, I'm learning stand-up paddleboarding. I'm not a great paddleboarder, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Every, every year I'll, I'll just try something new. Challenge that middle part of your brain, the hippocampus, those learning and memory circuits, and help mm -hmm. them transform short-term into long-term memories. In one case history I have in Mind to Matter, uh, we, we, we talk about this one guy who was a, just a total non-believer in all this um, sort of touchy-feely right. mindfulness meditation, tapping stuff. And these neuroscientists put him on an eight-month, eight-week mindfulness program. They measured his brain volume before and after in an MRI. In eight weeks of mindfulness, the part of his brain responsible for emotional regulation grew. It's called the dentate gyrus, part of the hippocampus. The dentate gyrus, his dentate gyrus grew 23% in eight weeks. Wow. That's how quickly your brain is reformatting itself as you do all these positive practices. You aren't just having a better, better feeling life. You're literally rewiring the hardware inside your head. You're, you're using the software of mind, the software of belief, of, of good practices, to literally change the hardware inside your body. And so you may look the same after five years, but you've got a whole different brain after you've done that repeatedly, not just for eight weeks like this guy did, but for eight months, eight years, and constantly. So surround cool. yourself with positive, peaceful, kind, loving experiences, and then your whole life starts to be infinitely more pleasurable and more satisfying. So I think meditation is the first one, tapping is the second one. All of those others are going to help you have a good life. So your, your top three recommendations would be meditation, tapping, and then basic community and, and uh, other things that, that build positivity in your life. And time in nature. Oh, time in nature, time of course. Nature. That, that's a very big one, right? 
Well, these are uh, this is a, a fantastically long list, and it takes a little bit of work to build those into your life. But people say, you know, Dave, why do you live on Vancouver Island? I'm like, well, I'm on a 32 acre organic farm that costs less than a, an apartment in Palo Alto, <laughs> and bald eagles nest in the backyard, <laughs> and I get access to sockeye salmon and clean air and clean water. And, right. and but yeah. I fly more because I do that, right? I, I'm not living in a in a city center, uh, but it is possible uh, to to work on these things. And like you said earlier during the tapping, you know, you can accept yourself with whatever those you're doing. But if you do the I'll be happy when with that long list, uh, good luck with that. Uh, that might take a long time. Well, say so, you're living in New York City. Yeah. New York City has tons of little neighborhood parks. Yeah. There are beautiful spots you can go. Take a few, your, in our workshops there, we, we have people do this. They happen at the New York Open Center. Uh, and when in the middle, we take, take our breaks, we walk to a little church, call the little church around the corner, and we take off our shoes and stand there on the, on the wet grass. Just I mean, you can do yeah. that when you have 10 minutes you, to spare. You can build this into your life even if you're not making the big changes. Yeah. And I, I, I found that there are people who get sort of overwhelmed with this long list of things I can right. do to be a better person. And the bottom line is you can pick, you know, I'm going to work on these three. And I ask everyone who comes on Bulletproof Radio this the question of top three most important things like that, because it, they're different for different people. But when you understand that, you know, out of 500 people, most of them said these top 10, maybe those are the areas where you might want to invest something <laughs> right. versus saying, you know, oh, this one expert says this is most important. Right. Well, you're not that expert. So what's most important for person A might not be on no. the top list for person B. But there are patterns that we can discern from this. And it's, uh, it's really cool because you've got a fantastic list there. And you said that list is actually in Mind to Matter? Yeah. New book. Okay, cool. Well, I, I've got the first three chapters uh, because, uh, well, you gave me the first three chapters, but I don't have the rest of them. And I'm very eager to read them because uh, Genie in Your Genes is a, a fantastic book. And you're one of the, the guys who really goes into the science uh, behind this stuff because the there's a lot of you know very well educated physicians and engineers and, and people listen to bulletproof radio and and millions of other people who are not necessarily that like cognitively biased or towards skepticism uh, and you know, we're all we're all interested in these things but it makes everyone feel better whether they have a science background or not a science background just to understand that there's real research that went into this because there's a feeling of uncertainty that comes we're saying i'm going to try this but I just have no idea. Bottom line is we might not know all the reasons this works, whether piezoelectricity is really the main effect. Piezoelectricity is real. I cited three studies in it on in Headstrong. But is that really why? We think we know, but maybe there's something else in there. But can we say if we do X, we get these results more often than we should if X didn't do something? There is enough of that, and you write about that in a really eloquent way that says, look, if you're only looking at your hardware and you haven't looked at the thought processes and beliefs and emotions that are tied to it, you're not going to get the results you're looking for. And, and so I would encourage people uh, who are reading or who are listening to this to read Mind to Matter when it comes out because it's worth it. One of the problems with the whole transformational movement is there is so much fluffy stuff there. And I'll give you yeah. an example. My editor uh, for, for, from Hay House, from Mind to Matter, wrote me and said, Gina, use this uh, – this number in the book that we have 4,000 thoughts a day. She said, well, you know, I've edited many other Hay House books and all these other transformational leaders are saying we have 60,000 thoughts a day. We are saying we have 4,000 thoughts a day. 
And I just emailed her back and said, you know, they're just writing books. They can say whatever number they want. I actually have to prove everything with science. And so what I do with all of my work is I say, what does the science tell us? What, is, you know, what does the science tell us? Where is it ambiguous? And um, what does it tell us is, is really not happening? I'll give you an example from my own weight loss journey. I, I tried, Dave, I'm, I, I know you tried different things as well. But I, I was a classic yo-yo dieter. I wasn't Jenny Craig. I did Weight Watchers. I did, I did, I did Zone Diet. I, I met Barry Sears. I mean, I, I did all these things, and I, and I always lost weight. It was great. Yeah. But then, you know, like um, the meta-analyses tell us, two years later, I wound up weighing 10, 15 pounds more. Yeah. It was sustainable until I, I, I found tapping and meditation. I began to apply those. I lost 50 pounds, and I had not kept it off for eight and a half years. And um, it's been so powerful to do that. But I looked at the science, and, this, and, and what I found was that almost everything I'd been taught about weight loss was wrong. Yes. And I was so angry at all the fatuous advice I'd received over the years, and I'd taken it all, you know, and you're mm-hmm. just hopeful. So you pare down, what does science tell you? That's what I love about your work. You know, you, 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 are, you are looking at what, what's, what's, what's the fact here, and then you, you do that. Another thing that Tim Ferriss talks about is the minimum, minimum effective dose. Do what you need to do to get your goals met, and don't do a whole bunch of stuff that you don't need to do right. you know, that, that's superfluous to that. So really drill down, narrow it down. You know, what, what will make me happy? And healthy. What will boost my longevity, and what will not? Um, and 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 will more of the same? How much do I need to do before it's, it's it's just superfluous? So science gives us those answers, and that's why it's so useful to go to the science, get the answers from from that, and then you know, make those lifestyle choices in a way that's scientifically informed. There's so much, uh, you know. I, I read self help books, and uh, often, I mean, they're very well intentioned, but um, Again, this is this is all about mind matter and what the science tells us we can do to change our bodies and our lives. That's credible. That will make a difference. Well, it's a, it's a good read so far. I can't wait to get the rest of it. You'll send me an advanced copy before it comes out, right? Sure. All right. So see, that's the benefit of being the host of Bulletproof Radio is I get to read it before you guys get to read it. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, uh, Dawson, thank you for being on Bulletproof Radio. We talked about the name of your book. Uh, what URL can people go to to learn more about tapping or more about your work? So the place you go to to get all of it you get the EFT mini manual download, you get meditations, you get all kinds of other goodies, is Dawson, my name, D-A-W-S-O-N, DawsonGift.com. 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 Right. One place you can go that also has a link to the Veterans Stress Project where we've now treated over 20,000 veterans free of charge who have PTSD. We're, done, we're doing all kinds of, of charitable work. All of, that, all of those links are accessible from DawsonGift.com. Beautiful. Thanks, Dawson. Thank you for your wonderful work, and it's a pleasure. If you enjoyed today's episode, you know what to do. Uh, This time, I'd say head on over to Amazon and pick up a pre-order of Mind to Matter because for me, it's relaxing to actually understand, yeah, there's science behind this stuff. Some of the things I've done in my own path when the things that were supposed to work didn't work is like, yeah, I'll go to Tibet and I'll learn meditation from the masters and I'll, <laughs> I'll try this I'll try this crazy thing, partly just out of frustration and also out of the idea that says, well, it probably shouldn't work, but for some reason people have been doing it for thousands of years, so I'll just give it a shot and I'll see what my results are. There's a level of, of relaxing that comes to you like, oh wait, there actually is science. People have studied this and the odds of you seeing these studies I'll put together this way are relatively small because 
well, A, we're producing more studies now than we ever have in all of history, and we're able to access them all. So the signal-to-noise ratio just isn't there for you. And when you read a book like Mind to Matter, you can actually say, all right, so here's the relevant things out here that say, all right, here's the level of control I have. So this is a book that should should be in your library, and I hope that you'll check it out and order it. It's on Amazon.com. It's called Mind to Matter. And if you like the book, the one thing that you've got to do is leave a review. And authors like Dawson and like me, we actually track our success. Yeah, we'd like to get people to read the book. But if you read the book and you liked it and you take 30 seconds to tell other people that it was worth your time, we actually notice and it matters. So thank you for taking the time to leave reviews for authors who take their time to be on the show and things like that. So thanks, Dawson. Pleasure. Thank you. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.